Hey, this is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it's movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. But occasionally, some interesting people pop in to rent something, and that is what happened today. Robbie Collins, who is one of South Africa's top stand-up comedians, uh, came in for a chat. He is scheduled to perform at the Bioscope this coming weekend, if you are listening to this podcast on the week of its release, uh, the 9th and the 10th at the Bioscope, and we are excited to have him. And so we wanted to have this chat because he is one of those people that I am lucky enough to have had host at the Bioscope and, and, and have performed. But I don't necessarily know him that well. A lot of the guests we've brought onto the podcast thus far have been good friends of mine. Um, this was one where I was really getting to know him, which was really special. And as you'll see over the course of this episode, Robbie is in a very exciting time in his life as he is on the cusp of an, of an incredible career overseas, especially in a city like New York with the contacts that he's been, been making. And so he, he's really in an exciting time. And so it was really great to have this opportunity to have a good chat with him. So uh, this is Robbie Collins popping in to rent something. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? How's it? How's it, bro? <laughs> it's nice to get to know you properly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's always been in passing. Yeah, you've you've been um, coming to the Bioscope a lot. You've been using the Bioscope a lot. You're about to use it. Uh, when this episode comes out, you would be that weekend. Yes. So next weekend. Next, at, at 9th and 10th. 9th and 10th of yes. December. And um, yeah, for the most part, I spend all my time here during the day. Right. answering emails, making sure the program's cool. And then I tend to, later on in life now, after 12 years of doing this, I tend to go home <laughs> and leave it in the very capable hands of people like Marigold, who you yes. you know, you're friends with. Um, and I sometimes get to miss what actually happens in, oh. the, in the show, or especially when it comes to the shows. Yes. Um, obviously, the movies I've seen, so I don't need to stick around. But... Um, I'm I'm starting to actually recently um, come to more comedy, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> because, right, right. Because I want to be a part of it more. But um, you've you've come to the Bioscope a fair bit. You've performed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think I got to know about the Bioscope through um, it was more theatrical. It was very theatrical back in the day. Um, what do you mean by theatrical? It was. Not theatrical, it was more movie-orientated. Yes. And then the live shows started coming in. Yeah, well, because you probably performed a lot at Pop Art. So back yes. when we used to be in Mabonang, yes. we had a, a lovely agreement that we wouldn't do theater or stand-up because Pop Art was doing theater and stand-up. Right. Just like we never wanted them to do any kind of filmy, projection-y stuff. Got you. Um, and then when we both left Mabonang, um, 
yeah, now we can do stuff here in 44 Stanley. And we do a lot of stuff with pop art. Gotcha. Haley's outside as we speak. Yeah, I saw. Busy planning stuff. Um, so you, you, you came to do a show on your own once. That was the, the cover that was the Notorious B.I.G. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and then what I thought was so cool was you and a bunch of superstars all came to do what was the rehearsal for what then became the Netflix special. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was last year. It was so crazy because we were going in and out of um, curfews. Yeah. And we we're trying to get ready for Netflix, which is pretty stressful when, it's a, when you're about to do like the biggest thing of your career. And then, um, and we didn't have we didn't have these rooms performing, and fortunately we had this, so we came through here and just kind of sharpened our material. Yeah. Because at the time we just couldn't perform, and and then people were suggesting we do online shows and online shows. Just yeah. So <laughs> I was watching your I was watching that. I wanted to refresh my my memory, so I watched your. Um, no jokes allowed segment this morning. Oh, is it? And your <laughs> thing about the online shows is hilarious. How I'm you just, just, you don't have, what is the context again? You don't have anyone. Um, you don't have uh, anyone. Flip, I forget. Yeah, actually. yeah. Like if, if you make something self-deprecating, like a joke that's self-deprecating about yes. yourself, you can at least have people laugh and yes. feel better. But when no one's <laughs> laughing. You start thinking, I need to get a hold of my father. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not uh, over these things. Yeah, that was funny. Um but when um, that was booked through Celeste, and when she then sent through the lineup, I was like, something's up. Right. Like, something's up. She wants to put on the show <laughs> with this, like, superstar lineup. And I was like, I wonder what the hell's going on. And then someone was like, no, 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 they're rehearsing. They're all rehearsing for this thing. Yeah. But we didn't say the name. We couldn't say the name. We didn't want to necessarily allude to anything. So a bunch of people booked tickets for what was this kind of superstar lineup that I, then became the Netflix special. I do think by um, by like two weeks before the Netflix special, people are like, oh, these guys are doing something for yeah. Netflix. <laughs> I think it was one of those unspoken secrets, but uh, everybody knew exactly what was happening. And and you shot that at the Rand Club. The Rand Club. That's a beautiful, beautiful room. It's quite a space. Eh? Did you did you explore the rest of the? Place? We stayed there. We weren't allowed to leave the venue for. Um, Two oh. days. So oh, the shit. night before we had what, to... Because of covid stuff? No, they just wanted us in the room because oh. there were so many different things you had to shoot leading up to the actual show. Cutaways and walking in. So Are they rooms? Are they places to stay? Do there's rooms. We stayed in rooms. Beautiful, beautiful rooms. Like this old yeah. antique, uh, antique furniture. The rooms have a different kind of energy. They've redone the bathrooms, yeah. but they've kind of kept they've kind of kept that same energy that you'd probably have found in the seventies or something. Well, okay, so the Rand Club is this building, smack bang in the middle of town. Yeah, yeah, downtown Joburg, and it's, it's it was the place where like the top politicians and businessmen and corporate oaks would hang out i think women i don't know when women I were able to join woman i think the first person who was allowed there was um if i'm not mistaken I the queen the, not the queen but i know mandela was the first black man in there hectic yeah and those libraries are, are just like if you close your eyes and imagine the most incredible library right it's that room with the ladder that goes up and down and there's like a big portrait of the queen yes it's, it's one of the most amazing sort of Discoveries of Joburg. It's like a gem. They had the biggest snooker table I've ever seen. It probably was uh, the length of 
the width of this room. Yeah. And it was it was solid stone and it went into the ground like you couldn't move it. Hectic. So it was just it was one of those things uh, in poor pops and I took a walk around at night. Yeah. And it just had this other energy of like But the rooms so the rooms linked to a social club would have stories. Right. Like a hotel room. Oh yeah. Because they weren't, they were never a hotel. But I'm sure these were the rooms where Oaks, who got a little too drunk, or if they found someone, would right. stay the night. I think the queen, I don't want to point fingers, but no, I mean no. it, it could have some stories. Oh yeah, totally. I, I feel like the the queen was the first official woman invited into that room. Wild. I think I think there were other ladies that popped in for other <laughs> things. Those um, rooms must have been used for something. Did you ever go to the Zebra Inn? Which was that bar, that taxi demi bar in Mabuneng? The zebra in it, it looked like there was there was just there was just animals animals everywhere. Yes, yes, I did. Go yeah, there. I went there for a birthday party. I was, I was surprised it even existed. Yeah, it was a complete secret. Yeah, yeah. It was never meant. It was meant to be, because downstairs they do carpentry and stuff. But upstairs, it was this guy's pub for him and his buddies. But he was this hunter. And, oh. and a long distance runner. So the room was filled with his trophies and his medals and then all his like actual animal trophies. It felt very personal. Yeah. Even he was a cool guy. I'm, I got to meet him. Sam, he, he, he died. That was the end of the zebra and he got like murdered in the bar. Oh, Just wow. to give you a weird um, <laughs> update on the guy. The zebra. <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, it was a dodgy spot because there were these ladies that were behind the bar. Yes. And you just... Yeah, you just got the impression they didn't just serve drinks for a living. <laughs> I don't know. Could, I, was, I was saying to uh, another comedian, I think Tatsun Kors was like, if it, if it wasn't for stand-up comedy, there's so many places I would not have been. Yeah. So around the country, different venues. Like I, I know so many places in different areas around the country that that would have I would have never seen or probably wouldn't have thought of going to and I think that's the cool thing about doing stand up like you just go around and you mm. and you speak to all different races people that probably wouldn't have been your friend or you would have never had a drink with but because of the what you do they're a bit more open to it so it's like there's there's some spots I've been to which would have been some of the the gems shit man there's um I went to a place in I went to a strip club in um what's this Pumalanga, what's the what's the city? Nelspruit. Nelspruit. Yeah, I didn't even know that a strip club, but the guy I was doing the, the promoters doing a show for, he was like, "Come through, there's a strip club." I was like a strip club, but I, I'm not a fan of strip clubs at yeah, all. Yeah, sure. But it was it, it got to that time of the night where the strip club was the only place open. Yeah, there are some of those little towns and those spaces where you're like, but this strip club was like a family run. It was actually very peaceful. So like. The lady who looked like the mom, like the wife of this guy, she goes, do you want to see some ladies dance? I'm like, that's fine. We're chilling. Yeah. Like, there's music. We're actually dancing. Yeah. And she's like, no, let's get a lady. And then she makes a phone call <laughs> <laughs> to some, I don't know if this is a stripper. And then some chick rocks up with a backpack. Pretty. <laughs> are, we, are we going on a walk? <laughs> like, what? what, what? Did you bring around, supplies? She goes around the bar. She goes to the bathroom, changes, and then she comes out in this... Uh, exotic outfits and then yeah. dances to a few songs ships down to her underwear and then finishes and then she goes and puts her clothes back on and then she just joins us for a drink at the bar so <laughs> I like this this call did you ever stop either as an adult or when you were a kid sometimes it was a school tour thing on the way to Nelspruit is that dinosaur park 
That sort of dinosaur. It's like a dinosaur. Yeah, they've got these big dinosaurs. You I've can walk through it, and they're all, I guess, fiberglass. I don't know, cause but it's one of the strange. <laughs> yeah, I've it's never one of the strangest things. I've, I, I grew up in Durban. I only, I've only yeah. been here since 20, 2010. So in Durban, our school excursions always involve something to do with shaka. Okay. <laughs> so we are always going to see what shit shaka got up to. <laughs> I'm trying to think what we did. We yeah we yeah we didn't have any exciting ones either. Every now and again, you go to like Jan Smuts's house or <laughs> some shit. Okay, so so growing up in Durban, eh? Yeah, I think I think Durban. I got into theatre. Uh, I'm one of five kids, and uh, my older sister Meryl was extremely involved in um, ballet and theatre and stuff like that. Lovely. And um, I used to always see her during school. I'd see her like walking up and down the corridor. And then I went home and I was like, yo, what are you doing during the day? You're not in class. Then she told me, oh, we're getting ready for the play. And if you come help, you could, maybe you can help with props and stuff. So I started helping out with props. But during their rehearsal, while we were painting props, I used to talk a lot of shit with my friends. And there's a lot of, and you start learning the play and the script. Yeah. And then my teacher said to me, well, the, the drama teacher said to me, how about, how about you do this scene, I want to see something. Like, do you know the lines? I was like, I pretty much get it. And I did it. And she, I just remember her nodding. And then the next day when I got there, she was like, okay, cool. You're going to be the understudy. Oh, lovely. It was, yeah, the, my character's name was Farmer Brown. And then I What did, was the play? The play was one of these, how to explain it, one of these plays that mix up other plays. Oh, like a sort of parody. Yeah, parody. Parody. Like a mix of, yeah, yeah. I know what yeah, you mean. my drama teacher, uh, Mrs. Ward, she's very, very creative, always trying to change. She's one of those drama teachers, like, I'm still going to get to Hollywood. I'm, not, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. not settling on these kids. Yeah, yeah. And and she used to do all these, like, creative plays, and I end up doing the understudy, and then the... How old are you at this point? This is, what, 13? Okay. And that just set the course. That just like, set the course. And there was just yeah. once you on there. Like I'd, I'd done a couple of plays, but I was always in the ensemble at the back. Mm. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, shit, okay. And I was somehow making this character funny. Yeah. The other guy made it serious. And I... You found the comedy in it. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think I was finding the comedy in it. I just thought this is how I'm going to play it. Mm. And it somehow worked. And in the rehearsals, whenever I did it, it was kind of like a given of the scene became so funny that the previous scene, the way she wrote it, she was just like, okay, cool, we're going to go with this. And um, from then it was like, okay, how do I get on stage more? That's lovely. And then stand-up. Stand-up comedy wasn't a thing in this country when you think about it. Yeah. Like, uh, this is what, 2000 and... No, this is two, the year 2000. Stand-up, I think Pilmanati was just about to come mm. on TV... There were no real examples. Maybe Barry Hilton was somebody on TV. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, you had to look to America and the UK for stand-up. There wasn't examples. I think now the kids that are growing up, they have, they have the actual example in front of them. Yeah. You have success, uh, successful people in stand-up comedy that could be from your same city, your same neighborhood. Yeah. Whereas in before, when you dreamt of being a stand-up comic, it seemed impossible. It seemed so far out. Yeah. 
So yeah, uh, that's that's when the acting bug hit, and then stand up. Once is a once is I saw what stand up comedy was, I saw tapes of Def Jam comedy, yeah. and I was like, oh shit, this is this is the thing I've been trying to do. I didn't know this is what I wanted to do, but this is exactly it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. No, it's amazing when when one realizes that. I I uh, um, watched there was something called the Buddy Holly Show, which was a production of the life of Buddy Holly, who, who was that. 50s musician yes. who died young. He died on the plane crash. Died on the plane crash. Yeah. And uh, also as a little kid watching that going, yep, that's me. Like right. music. It's so cool. And so I uh, b- was playing drums and being in a band since, yeah, standard four, around the same age. And then also I share the same sentiment as you where I can also say I've seen far more of South Africa than I would have normally yes. because of the band, because of traveling. We also saw the Buddy Holly. It came to the playhouse. My mom even had the book, and I met the guy who played Buddy Holly. Oh, lovely. Um, I did a show, and he was there. And I was like, yeah, I watched you when I was like in grade two. I remember, I remember going to that. I didn't remember the full story, yeah. but I just remember Buddy Holly, and we kept the, the book from the play. Yeah, and for me, it was just the performance of it, the show, the, yeah, also just having that kind of bug hit and then going like, this is what I want to do. It's that's the thing. It's so mind blowing when you figure out when when life makes sense. It's a weird thing because you're just kind of existing as a kid yeah. and you're just following all your parents' rules and school, like doing homework is a doing homework is like a major thing. Yeah, and that's what you're kind of living for. You're like keep my room clean, do my homework, make sure these people are cool with me. Yeah, and then there's that thing that happens in life where you go, oh. Um, You've been pushing me in a direction, but I've you finally find that thing, mm. and it's stand up or it's music, mm. and it's such a beautiful thing because you kind of everything else you start bringing into your life has is, is kind of taking you in that trajectory or where yeah. you want to be. You know what I mean? Like, ne- yeah, it I'll makes never, sense. Yeah, I'll never forget someone on a on a more like personal relationship level. I'll never forget someone's advice, which I've never forgotten, which is. If you if you know what you want, mm. the people you want will find you. Totally. And it was this huge revelation where I was like, oh, if you enjoy reading, for some dumb fucking example, you you you're gonna join a book club and then you'll meet your partner at the book club. Right. There's a good chance. Right. Where it's like you know, if you don't typically go out in nightclubs past two o'clock, like you're not gonna be. <laughs> There's a very rare chance you're going to meet the person who you'd uh, do well with late One, at night, you know? 100%. I, I find that I I like being out late. I, find, <laughs> I just come back from New York. I was yeah, there. I wanted to talk about New York. I've had an opportunity to be there many times. It's a lovely city. Oh, uh, dude. It's so, I, I, I feel like I live in with a New York state of mind yeah. even here. Yeah. No, I totally, and once experiencing it, I, I said it, I don't know, I think I said it to Gilly the other day. I can just step in. Yes. The, whenever I get there, it's it's like it's a lane that I can just step in and I just, I can travel on it. Totally. It, uh, uh, that for me, it's like moving out here. I started in Durban. Durban was cool. And uh, then I did a show. I came up and I did, Sepo Mukhale actually came to Durban and Trevor Gumbi. And they saw me and they're like, yo, you need to come to, to Johannesburg. And they got you out. And I came up on a bus. I just came up for a week. I had one show at Cool Runnings. And then I killed that show and all of a sudden I had 
eight shows in the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those comedies, word of mouth. Yeah, very much so. And um, and it just started going well, and I kept coming back and forth. And then eventually, I was like, okay, this I, I'm making more money in two weeks up here than mm -hmm. I am in Durban for a month. So it was just the it was just the right move to do, and I think um, just being here, meeting Trevor, opening mm -hmm. for Trevor from his first tours, like that's one of the most important like relationships I've made in the industry. Yeah, we forget how much we saw of him at places like the Comedy Underground. Yeah, I would watch him all the time. Yeah, but <laughs> I think also he. This he, is so lovely to to know that I was a part of that time, you know. It's so crazy how whenever I meet people, they always tell me about how they have a part to play in Trevor's career. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just some, clapped and laughed. That's yeah. all I did. There's always some ladies telling yeah. me I booked him for a clicks year in function. <laughs> I put him on. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you 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 played an integral part. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that clicks gig. You'd have never got the Daily Show if it wasn't for clicks. Whoever was behind <laughs> that Cell C campaign. Oh, that put him on another. That was fucking huge. I mean, that, that was just, it's amazing how your career can be linked to a technology or a advancement in something completely unrelated, but together they can springboard you to another level. So what I mean by this is that Cell C campaign with mm. Trevor Noah was a normal big national campaign. But it happened to happen at the same time that they figured out how to do building wraps in oh. Joburg or in South Africa. There were huge buildings, building uh, ads yes. around the world. But that campaign was one of the first to go, here is a building size fucking Trevor Noah. Oh, shit. And I, I, don't, don't, I don't think that was everything, obviously, because yes. it, it, you know, it wasn't something you necessarily picked up. But for me, I was like... But he was everywhere. The, he was everywhere for that campaign, but he was... Fucking massive! Literally, he was the size of buildings in Joburg, it's so which I think all played this kind of strange part in this lightning in a bottle that just took him right. to another level. I I also think, and I I remember because he had done the Simba campaign where it was um he had he had like back to back things yeah where I've spoken to Trevor like long about this, about like what's the next step to doing careers. And he said, like, he's like, dude, don't even try and follow my thing. Yeah. And he's, and a, a lot of people try and follow his and I promise you, you won't get it right. He came at a time in our country when we're coming out of this, this um, horrible past of ours. This guy's dad is white, his mom mm. is black. Colored people think he's, <laughs> he's theirs. Yeah, and so he's 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 pretty pretty much touching every race. Yeah, and you're good looking, and you're fucking talented. Yeah, yo man, that's a combination. Yeah, it's it? like the sort of Obama thing as well, where it was like just black enough to be black for the black voters, yes. white enough to be safe for the white voters that would, if in any way, find this a problem. Right, um, and good. So and and a great speaker and a good man. Yes. So. <laughs> So you've got, you've ticked all the boxes and you're talented and you're working hard. Yeah. And I think the biggest, so he did the, it was 2010 World Cup. I remember this. So it was the, the build up to the 2010. He had a TV show. Then he did the Simba thing okay. where he was doing the Simba campaign about make your own flavor. And then it was Celsius and the Celsius just kind of collided with everything. Mm. But at the same time, I think the great thing that Trevor's done uh, continuously, even with the daily shows even when he gets this new thing, like when he had the sales, he, he worked even hard on his stand-up. Yeah. So when people look and go, okay, here's this guy's poster for the show, let's go see it. 
when they do come out and see it, they go, oh, this is what he does. Because mm. sometimes people can get that major paycheck and then they just kind of get lazy, stop popping yeah. Thursday. Then on the weekend, he's touring. He doesn't have to be touring. Yeah. But it's just but he that. he does it. He does it. And, and that you got to commend him for because the, it's so easy to get comfortable. Yeah. Especially no, as an totally, artist. Totally. If you've been broke for long and then you get that paycheck, you're like, I don't need to do what I've been doing for the longest time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, you forget what, what that hustle is and how that keeps the engine running. Right. Um, Gilly was, she touched on very short about your career and saying that you've been going to New York a lot. Yes. Yeah. Because it's a, like a garden. You got to like, you got to go back. You got to water it constantly. And it's the same with bands. When we, as our band, short straw was going overseas you you got to pick the right you guys are short straw <laughs> i'm the bassist yeah, yeah oh should i know short straw <laughs> <laughs> cool i'm sorry i, I never won- presume anyone knows so. Bro, i've won short straw quite a few times oh awesome yeah yeah short, yeah yes i have a i have a friend who dated who dated the lead singer i forget his name alistair the singer alistair yes alistair man okay lovely. Yeah, who's a friend uh christine Christine. Okay. No, she didn't date Christine. No, the other guy on the keyboard. Oh, I know Christine. Yeah, yes. yeah that was Gad. The yes, keyboardist. Gad, yeah, yeah. yes. Oh, big love to Christine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a gem. Um, uh, but yeah, we had to sort of pick our territories and go, you know, what can you conquer? Well, we're not conquer. Well, I mean, what can you successfully sort of look after in terms of areas or cities and places? Right. And you got to go back the next year and you got to go back the next year and, and you got to realize that you're not going to make any money for the first five years. Um, but New York is a scary place, but it's exciting that you are going at it, right? Yeah. The, uh, um, I don't want to say too much of the future, but for what's, what's happened in uh, 2017, I went to New York for the first time. I had to help Trevor write a show, a stand-up show um, that is bringing back to South Africa. And oh, cool. Did he need? Did he need some refreshing on South African cultures? Put it this way, or like topical South African stuff. Yeah, but it, it's also because we're friends. So you, he invited like maybe a couple comedians out who he knows. But writing for Trevor Noah isn't writing the full joke. You yeah, kind of just, just giving him some throw something out to him, and it was amazing watching him doing it in front of me at a dining room table. Throw out an idea, and he just riffs, mm. and he goes, and that guy's so good, and just bouncing and 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 it's like when the idea is kind of dying down then you go and also about that and he goes yes and then he carries on so you're kind of just throwing stuff at him and he just runs with it so it's 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 not necessarily writing the joke it's just giving yeah just helping just giving that uh that nudge of Mm. come back this direction because he's so used to where he is right now Mm. um so yeah so did that and then the next year 2018 i went out for a month and I did the gigs. Um, it, I remember being freezing mm. and just trying to get out there. And it was starting to happen. Um, but, but slowly, was, I wasn't necessarily doing the gigs I wanted or not many people knew me. 2019 went out again for another month. Um, like you go with your money, come back dirt broke. Yeah. Not really man- making money. And then the pandemic happened. And then I went out again beginning of this year. So when Netflix dropped, I took all my Netflix money and I just invested it into New York. So yeah. I did four months out there. Lovely. Where'd you stay? I was in Flatbush. Stayed with a friend of mine and her husband. 
Lovely. Rented their room because yeah. New York accommodation. Oh, we have no idea how yeah. the spaces we get for the money we pay yeah. is incredible. Now, I'll never forget these New York students. There was a lovely relationship throughout Varsity with NYU. And I remember these, these New York friends of mine walking into just my, my bedroom and being like, dude, this is the size of my entire fucking apartment. Yeah, bro. <laughs> they, are, they are blown away. Yeah, and, oh, and a friend of mine from New York came the other uh, few years ago, and this is when I was still living in a house, like with a garden. Right. And he walks in, and it was we were celebrating my birthday, and he's like, "So this is your parents' house?" And I'm like, "No, bro." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "You're an established dude, like you and his wife Deb." I was like, "You and Deb, if you lived in Joburg, you would have a house like this." Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's so <laughs> but he's crazy. He's like, "This is your parents' house, right?" I went to visit a, a comedian. Uh, his wife, this comedian, invited me to for dinner at, uh, at his place, and it was him and his wife. They share the apartments with another couple. Yeah, yeah. And they've turned the lounge into a bedroom. They yeah. share the bathroom and kitchen, and then the bedrooms the other couples. Yeah. And that's he's got like three jobs. She's got two. I don't know how many of those guys have. So it's so many different salaries. Yeah, just no. to live in that and I'm like yeah when I was in the varsity days I also visit so after showing these Americans around for years I would try and make these trips back because I knew I could stay in their houses and oh, I could yeah, sleep yeah. on their floors and stuff um, but there was one girl who took me um, took me back took me back to her, her room and I woke up and there was three other girls in the same room we were all sharing this bed I mean we didn't do anything too scandalous but it was like one of those where like what it seemed like in the dark and in the morning, I was like, oh my God, there's three other girls sleeping <laughs> in the same yeah. room. That happened to me. I, I, <laughs> I went home with a friend while well, they weren't in the same room and then all the roommates were just in the kitchen when I was leaving. Yeah. And I was like, oh damn, this is... <laughs> this is yeah, this is New York living. But they were so used to, they were so like, yeah, they were chilled cool with the it. vibe. So yeah. Um, okay, so in amongst all this traveling, have you been able to consume any movies or TV shows that you're enjoying or currently watching, what what kind of stuff do you watch? I'm I'm a very big fan of um, documentaries. Okay. I just recently, so I I I got back from New York on last week Tuesday. I went, after that four months in New York, I was invited back to the New York Comedy Festival. So cool. I was there for twelve days. Got back on Tuesday. It was amazing. Did shows, oh, got to open for Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I was about to say, there was a picture on your Instagram yeah. where I was like, this is the this is the one, right? <laughs> yeah. This is the fucking there picture was, that you... <laughs> there was my first night. My first night in New York, I arrived. I, um, I, I'm jet lag's not even hitting. I don't know why. Yeah, I yeah. just wasn't feeling jet lagged. And then I go out, go to the comedy club to see a couple of friends. And then I get a call like, oh, you're in town. Come do the comedy cellar. So I come through, it's... And it just so happens that it's the week Chappelle is getting ready for SNL. Okay. He's hosting. So he he's at the cellar. He sees me. He's like, come through. Come jump on before. So we hop around the cellar. We do like three different rooms. Because the yeah. cellar has four comedy rooms. Yeah. We do three rooms of just opening. for. I'm just warming up. He's like, come go on before me. Then I'll go. And um, it was amazing to see him write this 15-minute set for the cellar. Yeah. Uh, for for SNL and then the next night I'm doing shows for I'm doing shows for um, the New York Comedy Fest that was at 7 o'clock and then go to this after party it's a rooftop on Times Square yes, yes. 
and it's just everything's free. I'm having the best time drinking. And then I bought a US SIM because I know the Wi-Fi is great, mm. but I know from being there, you've got to have your own SIM because between Wi-Fi's, connecting yeah. to Wi-Fi. It helps in the subway, but... It, it, it helps in the subway as well, but also yeah. there's always somebody canceling. There's always some shit happening in New York where you might be needed in an hour. Okay. No, it makes sense to have your own thing. Yeah. And I randomly feel my vo- fo- phone vibrates and it's Chappelle's uh, manager and he's like, yo, Chappelle's doing this midnight surprise show at the stand. Uh, come through, he wants you to jump on. So it's like... But I mean, how... Just to pause. <laughs> Let's just, you know, now that we, we've established this 13-year-old Robbie who's <laughs> making everybody laugh in Durban, like, at this point... Bro, it's, it's mind-blowing. I, I mean, like, that you're getting that call. It's because so often the career is you knocking on that manager. Yes. Going, hi, like, hi, it's me, hey. Hi, nice to meet you. My also, name's Robbie. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's amazing that you're, getting this, that you're getting this call from them, it, that it, he's on your radar so much. It's wild. I was, I was speaking to my mom about it, and she's like, yo, everything you've worked hard for, everything you've prayed for is now literally becoming your reality. Totally. It's, and, like, Dave Chappelle is somebody... I watched continuously before starting comedy. Richard Pryor. Yeah. Like to watch these guys to the extent that I did. And now like you, you hanging out, <laughs> you hanging out doing shrooms with them. Off the kick. <laughs> <laughs> like that was, that was wild. So just, just that aspect. So I'm, I'm already feeling tipsy. So I'm like, fuck, I've got, I've got two and a half hours to sober up. I'm sucking on it's ice. Possible. Yeah, yeah. Splashing my face with water. Yeah, it's possible. I'm walking through Times Square, getting fresh air on my face. Get to the gig. The first thing Dave offers me is a tequila. I'm like, damn it. Okay. <laughs> but it was it was beautiful. Like he did three hours on stage, man. Midnight. Midnight. The show ended at half past five. Well then. In the morning. So it's those kind of things where it's just like, you see it happen, and I've also realized, in, in I'm gonna answer your question now about yeah, movies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. This it, is. Just as good, though. And and I realized that um, in uh, in my fourteen years of doing comedy, everything that I thought I wanted or when I wanted it, and it's frustrating, especially as an artist, where where you might not be making that money to survive. It's difficult. Yeah. You're in relationships, not having money that can also be hard on a relationship, mm. like all these other things. And you realize, oh, this is exactly what was meant to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I, that relationship couldn't have worked because I probably wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had the freedom to just go to New York for four months. Yeah. So it's, it's a hard life, and and it's once again so similar to the music life. Totally. So similar, where it's like it's very hard to have a partner through that. Totally, and 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 no disrespect to any ex or anything like that, but it's just yeah. those things that fell that that ended um, and just couldn't work. It's like. Yeah, it couldn't work. You'd, it would probably be miserable for me because I couldn't do what I wanted to do, and it probably be miserable for the other person. And it and it can also kind of only happen once you've established yourself to some degree, where you, you the the traveling doesn't have to be as crazy, or it can be more in and out. Or yeah, th- there's definitely a point you can reach where it can be manageable, but there's definitely a point where you just need to be this lone wolf, or you just need to be able to travel the, and, that's and put I've, in that time. I think this year uh, that showed me that. I think the past year and a half maybe where I'm just like, I'm that lone wolf right now. 
Yeah, and, do it. And, and it's fine. Run. I'm Go happy. Ahead. I think yeah. I was I was sad about it when I was just like getting out of a relationship, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna be doing this like alone. Then I was like, oh no, this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah, like this this, and it doesn't even feel lonely because I'm. I think when I open myself up to the experience of it, it's just become so more so much more joyful because yeah. I'm going, oh, this is this is exactly what I need and this is what I want. And also you meet enough people on the road and uh it's and I don't mean it in a sexual way, like you make friends and stuff where yeah. you where it's cool. And also the more you meet the more you on the road, the more you're meeting yourself. Yeah. In other people. And you go, Oh, this makes sense. But to to answer your question, there's a <laughs> the last documentary I watched was um, on Netflix. There's uh, it's something about dolphins. This guy who trains dolphins. Okay. But he abuses the dolphins. Oh, He's shit. like known as one of the best dolphin trainers. And, I know. But it's it's not a, it's it, he he actually verbally abuses them. Okay. It's not more, and he gives a few slaps. But I just found it interesting. <laughs> Because I was chilling in Cape Town because I got back and then I went to Cape Town for shows. I only got back yesterday. Um, so I haven't had time to actually chill. But um, I just was, you know, when you see something and, yeah. and I was like, this, the post of the of the documentary just made me feel like it's not going to be all pleasant. No. But yeah. I, I was interested to see what's the bad side of this, of SeaWorld. Sure. Well, there's a there's a very famous documentary called Blackfish. I've seen that. Yeah. That's yeah. That's which dope. which it's it's amazing when there can be a documentary that can actually change an industry. So that was yeah. that that was all about um, the orca whales and how they treat them. And there these been there've been these rare cases when the orcas have pulled the, the trainers underwater and killed them. But the argument is not that they're evil. I mean, despite them being called killer whales. Yes. I mean. The argument is that they shouldn't even be there to begin with. Exactly. And it changed the industry to the point where the whole world was like, oh, wait, yeah. this isn't good. Uh, it, it, Speaking uh, of your shaka uh, tourism, we naturally took our niece and nephew to Ushaka Marine World. Oh, yes. And halfway through the dolphin show, you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> 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 like, we shouldn't be doing this. Like, this, because they're like, in the wild, they can be whatever age, but in captivity, they can only live to this age. And you're like, oh, okay. And yeah. then five minutes later, you're like, no, wait. Yes. <laughs> they I just shouldn't be here. Yes. <laughs> Why are you saying there with so much confidence? Yeah, it's like, oh, fuck's sakes. But I, it is cool to, I don't know, show someone a dolphin. I do get the idea, but, you know, maybe we can have like holograms yeah, at I, some point soon. I feel like, I feel like they'll, f you know, it's even with human beings living healthy, like when they say go green. Yeah. Go green, going green is also very expensive. The yeah, sure. I think 90% of homes in South Africa do not have the money to go green. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, we all know how expensive Kauai is. <laughs> 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 and, how, and, how, and how cheap a streetwise meal is. Uh, I, 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 I hate Kauai. It's yeah. just, I, I went there once um, with a friend who was trying to do this whole healthy thing. And I looked at her face and she's like, I don't, <laughs> this is not worth this. <laughs> no, it's expensive. It's, it's expensive. But so I think we'll fi figure out a way. We're getting there. We're getting there. As long as, as, long as the world's shifting and moving. So, so you've stumbled across this dolphin documentary. You don't remember oh, the name of it. Um, Where was it? It was on Netflix. It's, it's, okay. just, it's literally just came out last week. 
Okay, so we've got a we've got a thing called uh, the cash up. So at the end of this episode, I'll give the name of this dolphin. Okay, dolphin uh, one. Okay, so you watched that one? I watched that. I watched Contraband recently. Um, Contraband. Contraband is the new Mark Wahlberg movie. It's about his his brother-in-law getting involved in drug dealing, and then. Okay. Him having to go back into this world that he left okay. and, and smuggle drugs. Classic um, Nicholas KG. That's kind of like yeah. a Gone in 60 Seconds premise. But it's also because I have these, like between shows, like I'll do shows at night and then I'll, I'll wake up around 11, have something to eat. And I'll just be tired. Like no, I don't want to go out all the time. But I'm trying to do things more in the day. Otherwise, you can just find yourself living for the night. Yeah. Especially as a, a comedian. So... I'm, I I purposely make uh, plans of like leaving the house during the day and getting sunlight. Getting some vitamin D, yeah. Yeah, so um, it just was one of those easy afternoon movies. You know those yeah, movies yeah. you put on, you're yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to give you my everything. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to be on my phone and then look up and be like, oh, I know yeah. what's happening. Yeah, yeah. But it was actually really good. Okay. Um, and, and, th- and then what, do you have another snooze in the afternoon before going out? I, I like to have a I like to have a thirty minute nap and then I go and run and I work out, and then I and then I come back make some dinner, and then and your then, day starts and then I start with the gig because I found also it's sort of like you and an ER worker, yes <laughs> it's like you share the but I'm you like share <laughs> a similar weird weird schedule if if I can if I can wake up before ten o'clock that's perfect have breakfast clean the house, do whatever I have to do, um, admin-wise, and then head out, head out, yeah. uh, come back, watch something, have a nap in it, wake up, work out, cook dinner. Also find that um, you should eat, eat so unhealthy, you know? Yeah, like, no, you can, very easily. And, and, and all of a sudden you you just put on this extra weight from nowhere. Well, do you know where the chicken waffle came from? <coughs> no. So you know the popularity of of ordering chicken waffles. Yeah, it's like yeah. a, a, a it's an American thing. Yeah, yeah. Where you would get just to explain to folks it's like to get the waffle and a sort of fried chicken in the same dish. It was from guys like yourself, but it was specifically more the jazz musicians apparently oh, wow. in like New Orleans would finish so late that they would still in their heads be like I want dinner. But it was breakfast. Oh, that makes all and the sense. And that's where the culture of having a chicken waffle um, grew. Oh, sure. That makes all the sense now. Yeah. Because my thing is... Uh, a little bit of breakfast, a little bit of dinner, all wrapped in one. Damn. For the night owls, like yourself. Because I, I cook, and it's very hard, like, living alone. So I, I'd cook... Um, I'll cook for... It's ridiculous to cook for one person. But then I'll just cook a meal that I can make sure I I can have that for lunch tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. That's how I figured out. So um so that's how I'm kind of cooking. And I just it's also nice to make meals, you know, it saves money and all those yeah. things. I found when I was in New York it's actually cheaper to just eat out. Yeah. Um cooking making buying groceries, even their fruits and veggies. We have our fruits and veggies are really cheap compared yeah, to Yeah, I think so, yeah. So um I find myself eating out more there, but there you can actually get a decent, proper meal. Yeah. At like one in the morning, yeah, instead bagel of just spots. McDonald's. Yeah, oh, you, you can get like. So good. Yeah, so there's these cool food trucks and stuff like that where you can actually get some some Hispanic old mamas actually made something with rice, and it's not just oh, eating junk. New York is 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 so special because, um, as a band, we were lucky enough to go to Japan 
often. Oh, wow. So we did about five tours to Japan so far as Short Straw. Oh, damn. And um, there's a chain called Ichiran, which is like, this is the family who invented the ramen spice. Yeah. So it's like the OGs of, of ramen. To the point where the Japanese on average, like the, the guys hosting us were like, that's commercial. Like I've got a better place. <laughs> yes, yes. But Ichiran is, is exceptional. And there is one in New York. So when I was last there, made a point of booking and going. You got to line up in the cold, and everyone walking past thinks you like going to something special, and you're like, no, we're lining up for ramen. Dude, it's, <laughs> that blew my mind how because you can get anything anywhere in your and this Ichiran tasted just like the one in Osaka. I had so much Asian food. Like there's there's quite a huge a- Asian population, and the food is really good there. Um, and I just found uh, I found it crazy how. You, first of all, booking dinner. Like, you, there's no such thing as just, I'm going to rock up and see if there's a table. Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. And people lining up. Like, the way we'd eat, have dinner at a restaurant and then chill around, talk shit. Yeah. There's like, okay, you're done. Get up. Go do dessert somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this. And I found it amazing that friends of mine would not know, like, what's even around the corner from their house. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, no, I'm, I checked it out. Uh, there's apparently this really great burger place. Right. And they're like, where is it? I'm like, it is literally around the corner from you. And they're like, no idea. <laughs> but it's famous, apparently. But for them, they're like, it's, yeah. I, it's just so overwhelming that. No, it's pretty incredible. I, Are my, you going back soon? I'll be back. I'll go back second week of February. And this okay. time I'll do like a good two months. Okay, so you'd appreciate Ichiran. It was, I'll, I'll give yeah, you the I'll details. Say, I'll go because go. it's also great for solo. For oh. solo person. So what you, you sit in, you can choose to go into these booths where you literally, it's almost like a sort of confessional. You sit at this booth and there's a thing on either side of you yeah. and there's a little curtain and you place your order on a piece of paper and you submit it. And then this, after five minutes, this curtain will open and the dish will come oh, and it will close. And the whole point is to not have anyone else around you disturbing you so that you can focus on your ramen. That's yeah. the like Japanese way damn that's that's pretty crazy. So i think you'd appreciate that yeah i i find um i love i don't know one of my favorite movies is what's up rockers have you ever seen that oh uh, yeah it's the it's these asian asian slash it's these mexican kids who listen to who have a, a hardcore heavy metal band yeah but they live in like this black hood and it's in it's sitting in la it's the guy the they, same guy who yeah. did kids yes I've seen this. And my, me and my sisters watched this over and over because they were like these, such these, they were these outcast kids, but just living their own life. And and it's very mumble-corey. They, 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 you know, there's not much storyline or plot. They just sort of bumble through the day and they right. go, they break, then they break into a house. Or they break into a house, they skate yeah. there, they, yeah, they do a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to meet, um, to meet, uh, what's this guy's name? The filmmaker. The filmmaker of it. He was at one of Chappelle's shows. Oh, he's famous. And uh, I forget his name. I don't know how I'm forgetting his name. Don't worry, we'll come back to it. And somebody said, that's the guy who made Kids mm. and What's Up Rockers. So I went up to him and I said, yo, I'm a big fan of your work. What's Up Rockers is one of my favorite movies. And our conversation started because he was shocked that I didn't say Kids. Yeah. Because I watched Kids once and I was like, oh, this is a lot for me. Yeah, jeez, remember that. <laughs> there was a lot. But it's also like truth telling. Larry Clark. Larry Clark. And and the comedy seller, the village, the village, um, this is on 
the, where the road of the comedy cellar McDougal has five comedy clubs, each oh. having three shows a night. Yeah. So you can, you don't even have to leave the block. You can just go up and down. And Washington Square Park, where this guy, um, Larry Clark, would film all these skaters and these kids. Washington Square Park, Chappelle used to do stand-up in there. Um, Basquiat, Jean-Michael mm. Basquiat used to sleep there yeah. before he like blew up. And um, it's just a space. Even now, to this day, there's just a space of like creative... Yeah, there's, there's it's lovely, yeah. Somebody's just hitting a drum, you know what I mean? It, it, the yeah. energy's wild. And when you walk through there, you go, oh, I see how he came up with his movie Kids. Yeah. Because you just watch the skaters, and then he'd, st he'd film them, and then you'd start picking up the relationships with these guys, and then the movie Kids come, comes from there. Kids was haunting. It was haunting, but it's, it was, it, this day and age, I feel like there's worse shit. Like, I feel like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was haunting for 90, what, 94 when it came yeah, out? Yeah, it was in the height of that AIDS pandemic. Or it was yeah. probably something to do with it because there was that point where you knew the, the dude had AIDS. Right. It was also, it was also um, I think it was also coming out of the 80s where people had this homophobic idea to AIDS, where it was only yeah. for gay people. Yeah. And I think him telling the story of, oh, this, this thing is in the heterosexual world. Yeah. I think for a long time, people just had this idea of, do you remember the dude, the, the, the dude begging in the in the bus on the yes. skateboard? <laughs> I have no legs. <laughs> it's weird how you just remember those things. I, I have no legs. I'm a. <laughs> I think I'm a. I'm very curious on lifestyles, and when I when it comes to movies, like my favorite movie is City of God. Ah, I, I find it lovely. It's incredible. It, like, that movie is told so damn well. Yeah, like from beginning to end how things come back it's it's, it's the yeah. story's amazing mm. um i'm very interested in those kind of things and and i think that's why i find myself going to documentaries a lot yeah because it's just a bit more real it's a bit more real and it and it's so it's, it's not as fantastical you don't necessarily like the sci-fi no fantasy stuff like kids the for example kids or or city of god it feels like the writers didn't go and fetch a plot like yeah. you know you can be creative in fetching mean. a plot where yeah, yeah. kids kids you go no this should probably be happening <laughs> in a suburb around yeah. the corner or city of god you go no this wild lifestyle is definitely something that's happening so something you might like then if i can offer one recommendation is a show called the bear the bear which is on um disney plus okay uh, it's got the dude from Shameless, the young kid. Did you ever watch Shameless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the 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 sort of the older guy that had all the girlfriends. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. The older son. Um, he is a chef in an American city. I'm not entirely sure where it's set. It could be one of the big ones, but it's it's kind of exactly what you're saying. Where it doesn't ever feel like there was writers mm. who wrote in a writer's room. And they blocked and rehearsed and shot and said, let's go in for the fucking close-up. It doesn't look staged. It looks right. as if these oaks are in a kitchen preparing food and there's just cameras in the corner. Right. And it's exceptional in that regard. Like, it just feels like you're a part of it and you're, like, in the kitchen with them. And he's taking over this kitchen from his brother who's died. And he comes from, like, a very fancy sort of Michelin star restaurant, but he's now in this more like neighborhoody, um, 
I, th- I think they make sort of like steak rolls and stuff. Right. But they're like that classic American deli food. <clears throat> but it's a great show. Actually, I think you. I think you'd appreciate the bear. Okay. I'll, I'll and it's still it's talked about. It's it's um, it's celebrated. I think I don't know whether it got any Emmys, but it's. I'll definitely check it's it out. out there. I'll check it out. It's. I'm. I'm very curious. I'm very curious in life in in people, and in um, and in things that most people that isn't spoken about. I th- I think like even watching that dolphin thing yeah. because I I know it's a documentary. I'm like. You're not going to make a damn documentary about how beautiful dolphins are. That's something yeah. David Attenborough does. Yeah, yeah. You, there's something to this thing. And it's like when we look at corruption, you go, it's corruption in our heads for some, <clears throat> stays in politici- with politicians. Yeah. And in every industry, there's some sort of corruption. And there's some form of politics. Some sort of politics. Yeah. And I'm very interested in hearing that side of the story okay. uh, in, in like filmmaking or even stand-up. I think there's one thing about being funny, but I think more importantly, it's been interesting. Yeah. And then people can listen to you forever. Being funny after a while, it's, it's tiring, but when a comedian can t- t- uh, tap into that, um, that interesting space where audience kind of like, yo, you go, we with you. Wherever you're yeah. going, we're going we're gonna to follow. And you yeah. know what I mean? That, yeah. that becomes exciting for me. Okay. Um, there's a great documentary called Free Solo that I saw recently. I don't know whether you, you know about it. It's the, it's a guy who's a mountain climber. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. It's quite something. I, yeah. I saw that. They, like, for example, like that, I'm just like, that shit blew my mind. Yeah, it's, and it's kind of interesting that just in his head, just in his certain makeup of his head, there just wasn't that part of his brain highly functioning, which was like a f- sense of fear. Yeah. Yeah, it was. He was sort of almost on the spectrum, <clears throat> but to a point where, yeah, this guy can. I mean, like, your legs tingle watching that documentary. So, just quick back of the box it's about a guy who climbs up the rock face El Capitan in um, Yosemite, but without um, ropes. Yeah. And he's the only person to have ever done this. And it was a documentary. It won Best Picture, Best Documentary. Free Flow. Free solo. Free solo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like those kind of things. Like, there's people. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of Maya Angelou. Okay. Uh, during the during the pandemic, I read all of her books, and she I think she tells stories like amazingly. She and she always I watched quite a few interviews of hers while reading these books, and she would always say something. She'd say, "Stop telling the facts. Storytellers need to stop telling the f- facts of things and start telling the truth." Okay. And when she explain when she explains it, uh, she's doing a talk for students at um, the NYC, and she goes, "The truth is that I'm sitting here with Russell. We're doing a podcast, and we're at the Bi- Bioscope Theater. But that's the sorry, that's the fact. That's the fact. That's the fact. But then the truth is when you go, why are we here? Because I do comedy. I do comedy. You run the gig. Mm. So so that's how we've gotten to know each other." So I'm gonna do the podcast, and the, you know what I mean. So the the mm. truth is, the truth is behind the actual fact, and that's more interesting, yeah. because so many people just tell us that happened. It's like, okay, cool, but why did that happen? Yeah, that's a, that's where people want to. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, no, the uh, the the human truths have always been fascinating to me, especially when you're in documentary filmmaking, when you're in 
also did a little stint in advertising in my life. And I'll never forget, we were coming up with ideas for a sleeping tablet. Yeah. And I said, uh, uh, a mom would take sleeping tablets so that she doesn't have to worry about her kids who are up at night. And I right. thought that was a funny idea or a premise. And the creative director said, no, 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 no. Don't forget, a mom wants to worry. Oh. <laughs> so a mom would never take sleeping tablets to not worry. Oh, the yes. job of a mom is to work. And then you're like, oh, what? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. It's the, it's the truth. It's, oh, I love that. Um, so you are doing a show at yes. the Bioscope, just to speak a little bit about that. What, what is this show that you're doing? Because you're calling it No Turning No Turning back. back. And No Turning Back is pretty much, I literally got back from New York and I was like, I'm going to do something. Have, uh, you know when you have all this inspiration and energy and the show's still writing itself, but it's um, the no turning back is just where you're going in life. And, yeah. and, and, and I think it was this last trip, this whole year, I think it's been probably my best year of my career. The, uh, it's just a no turning back. And this is what I'm saying on stage. I'm not afraid to say these things. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, this is what my life is. Like, this is the, like everything makes sense. Every, yeah. every single thing makes sense right now. And I'm probably going to look back to this year and go, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but that's the whole point. <laughs> and so you don't ever want to go look back in life and go, damn, I was, you should have seen me in 2020. I was the shit. Mm. You know, so I think no turning back is just this freedom and the, the freedom in the way I am as an artist and in my lifestyle and also just um, unapologetically being me. Uh, my mom yeah. always says, "My mom always says, don't be afraid, be kind, and do what the hell you want." And you know, yeah. like that, that generally the thing. The if you're not an asshole, if you treat people with respect, yeah, and I promise you, you can really do what you want. I think social media, which is great for many things, but also bad for quite a few things as well, is that it it, it has amplified the 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 opinions that people have sure, sure. on anything, on anyone. Yeah. So there's, so as much as there's encouragements on social media, checking on mental health and helping people, the, it's still dealing with, it still has the opinions of people. Sure. So we, we're trying to s stop, we're trying to stop depression or help people who are depressed and, and make people aware of mental health, but we aren't stopping the opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a contradiction in a way where it's like all these self-help um, quotes, but then it's like, yeah, I'm still dealing with some asshole who's going to yeah. tell me what they think of me. But you you feeling more comfortable in yourself and, and you going forward. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Just, it's like just coming to, yeah, coming to, yeah, just having a sense of comfort within yourself. Totally. And it's just, it's, it's, it's the fearlessness and the comfort of failure. I think the comfort yeah. of failure is... <clears throat> It's almost scary how comfortable I am at failing right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like last night I went on stage and I did this whole bit and uh, there were jokes and then I decided I'm going to get serious and do whatever else I want. And and it's that's something that would have would have held me back before. Yeah. No, and we we had something very similar with the band where you were just silly went out made an album and you made some of the best songs that people mostly no short straw for and it was born out of complete naivety and just just wanting to have fun 
then you get in your head and the sec the album that's got to follow that is yeah. way too much in your head you're way too conscious of like oh this is similar what people might want or like and that worked to some degree but for the most part we consider that the album we like yes not you know it didn't quite work and then thereafter the more we've been free to just do whatever we want whatever makes us happy has brought the most joy because it's like if you don't dig it who cares <laughs> right right totally I, and it's, there's something so yeah comforting in that and you because your job more so than a musician because a musician can at least hide behind the notes that they're playing but for you so much of it is the confidence oh 100 um, percent. it's the confidence and it's the it's the um, it's that feeling of this is exactly what the fuck i'm saying and and, you, and even if it's a weird tangent, even if it's not that funny, if I'm if I know that you've got me, you you're holding me <laughs> like as if I'm a baby, you've got me confidently in your hands. I'll go with you. Right. I'll follow you there. I'll I'll go to that strange place. Right. As and long as I know you got me, because if it feels <laughs> like you're not holding me, then it's like oh god, that's when it's shaky ground. It's all yeah, and and the audience they might not know how know how to tell a joke, but they know how to listen to a joke. Yeah. So they, when they catch any bit of confusion on your side or self doubt, yeah, they're like, we can't go down this road with you. <laughs> so having yeah, having you be more at peace with yourself and figuring yourself out is yeah, is what will make that that yeah that show special. But um, is this you working towards a any kind of special? Is this a that's the goal? Like at the moment, um, cause without saying too much, it's working towards that, but it's also. I've also been filming myself. Like, well, I have a couple of friends that, that have just been documenting me everywhere. Cool. Um, and kind of making this, uh, I want to say documentary, but it's not, not not yet. There's no plan yet about where, yeah. what's going to happen. But Well, you never know. I mean, some of the greatest documentaries were the ones born out of, there was just a guy that was filming. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have a friend who's just, in Cape Town and uh, and in Joburg and in Durban, and they just film, they film backstage stuff or me at home or um, me on stage, and they're just collecting footage. That's lovely. There's a fantastic documentary, even if you're not the biggest fan of Coldplay, but they're a nice enough band. Yeah. They're, they're very um, appetizing. Um, their friend filmed them from their very first show, and he just carried on filming. Oh, when is that? It's, is it it's on. It's on Amazon. It's called Head Full of Dreams. I got it, Amazon. And um, oh, it's lovely. Also, just because Coldplay is such happy, emotional, triumphant music, so that with this footage of them from the very beginning, right. it was all filmed also by a close friend. I think it was Chris Martin's buddy and. So he was there from the beginning, in a way, in a in a in a way that was more intimate than a stranger. Yeah, and and some of those things make the nicest documents. Damn, I need to see that. There's a famous Vel Kilmer one as well, where he filmed himself in the early stages of his career, like a ridiculous amount of footage, and it's turned into this film. So you never know what you could have, but is the hope to put this into something? The hope is to put this into something, and it's. <clears throat> I've been toying with the idea of what the new when I do release the new hour. Have a documentary showing how I got to the hour. Okay, I think I've got a place. Maybe we can stream <laughs> it. <laughs> or, or the other thing is just collect that footage and one day it comes out. But I so, but I feel like 
I feel like this is it, it should be put together with the with the hour of stand up. Yeah, to time it around that yeah. somehow. Because footage one day, because also like when somebody makes, I feel like when somebody makes a footage on your life, <laughs> eventually, it's really not up to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a point where it's it's no longer about you and it becomes about their film. Yes. Um, but yeah, you got to trust someone with that. You got to find the right director to craft that. That it could also be you. Right. But there's also nothing wrong with handing that over to someone for them to craft a story of you. Right. It's the same with the book, I guess. Um, okay, so No Turning Back is going to be at the Bioscope. I love the fact that we can be this gym. I love the fact that as, as a smaller venue, we can be here for guys like yourself to craft something that can become something. I, I, I love the, the big theaters. They, they're great and stuff, but I love the gritty. Even when it comes to like clubs and stuff, I love mm. that the the dingy, dirty. This is not dingy and dirty. <laughs> I was about to say, where are you where are you going with this? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, yeah. I love the, the because it's so intimate. The, a natural, raw thing ha- comes from it. Yeah, we, we can all feel each other. Like when you're doing a joke here, there's very much um, you can feel it. Like the audience, the audience have almost become friends. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And that no, little no. time sitting together. It's the exact same with music. I, I've, we, the biggest show we ever played was playing the same bill as the Pixies. Those and things. it was to 17,000 people. And it was like, yeah. it felt like there were 17,000 people. I could see a sea yes. in front of me, but it didn't feel like they were with me. It didn't feel like they, they were. I mean, the majority of them were there to see the Pixies. But it's like, it was, yeah, it felt right. so distant. Where some of the best ones have been these small ones. And I, I, I find I find it really cool when um, also mu- music. I I spend a lot of time, and I, <clears throat> I'm kind of not. I'm actually not going to clubs as much as I used to because I find like there's very little to offer in South African nightlife. Um, just even when you think about our parents, our parents. If our parents want to go out and dance, they're gonna wait for a wedding. Like there's <laughs> there's nothing for like yeah. you know what I mean like just because you turn sixty doesn't mean you don't want to you want to stop dancing yeah like, and that's the only chance that's yeah, the only right. chance I'm like there's actually no places for people of a certain age and if you go to a place you either look like this they'll give you a name you're a cougar whatever yeah, yeah, in yeah. the club or you this old dodgy guy he's like yo yeah, yeah. some people some 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 of these old guys are just like yo I enjoyed going out that's yeah, what yeah. I did yeah there's none of that stuff. And um, right now, I feel like South Africa is the nightclubs, whatever genre it is, there's very much a thing of it, this is what you do. Yeah. Like get a table, go on the dance floor or get wasted by the bar. Yeah. There's no real. And I, and I feel like I'm trying to I'm trying to find that space where it can do something which mm. is which is different. Like I'm trying to throw more parties with my friends who are in bands. I want to actually start doing that. I wanted to talk to you after, cool. after the show. Maybe do something. Yeah. But it's where we, where we create this this other space that doesn't exist. Yeah. I think it's important. Uh, in New York, I spend a lot of time in jazz clubs and funk bars and just watching mm. bands. Because you know, on the subway, you'll watch it. You'll watch a musician and you go, "How doesn't the world not know your name?" Yeah. No, it's <laughs> You're incredible. phenomenal. And often they, I mean, they can also be very established. It's also like, yeah, no, New York's overwhelming when it comes to that, but it's amazing. So, yeah, I just, I feel like the, the if we create more spaces for people to exp- 
experience themselves and express themselves, yeah. they make you create more space for artists to ex, ex, experience and express themselves instead of that one-dimensional way of parting. Yeah, no, sure. And I think it, also whenever someone comes to me and they've got a pitch for something to use the bioscope and it doesn't matter what they're talking about, if they if they in some part of their explanation say, I just want to build like a community for, I'm like, you're in. Let's yeah. do it, whatever it is. Yeah, totally, because <laughs> you will you will find you will find those. If you've people. seen this gap, if you and if you've realized that, like I put on these events called the Late Night Arcade for a few years. We did about three or four. We must bring it back, and it was a lovely meeting of guys who were looking for something to do on a night out. So it was like a Puma Social Club kind mm. of vibe, something a little different on a night out, but are into some form of gaming but they're not necessarily the dudes that are stuck in their parents' basement that don't come out. Right. So it was like a, a perfect mix of like you're social and perhaps out and about enough, but you're still geeky, but not too geeky. And it was this lovely mix of these because I'm not that much of a gamer, but I was like, how cool would it be to have ping pong and foosball? And, right. But then also these weird indie games where people are, have built these like weird things and... We threw a few of them and they were just the perfect crowd where it was fun and you could drink and you could have a night out, but you would also play like PlayStation games and old, um, like those old games, those arcade machine games. And so, yeah, if you've got an idea, I'm always keen to hear it, especially now that all that shit's behind us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can now do these kinds of things because we obviously put the late night arcade on hold because it's just you touching things all night <laughs> like it would it would never have worked and we literally pulled off one just before Damn. like it was in march yeah, um, yeah. or feb it was in feb if we had done that late night arcade a week later we would have had to be giving money back and explanations or whatever but we just got away with it it was still like italy and china's problem yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. And, then, yeah. and then and then and then everything. I was doing the Cape Town International Comedy Fest, and all the and and there were half of the lineup was American, half the lineup was British, and they kept on saying back backstage, "Oh, this gig's cancelled, this one's cancelled." And in our heads, I was Lois Ogola and I were the only South Africans on the lineup, and we was like, "This shit's not touching us." Like, <laughs> like that's uh, yeah. like in your head, as South Africans, you're like you. We got it's enough so problems, and I think that's why God just keeps you guys <laughs> like you guys have all those natural disasters and all those yeah. things. We got our own disasters, and then, and then eventually was like, nope, that's yeah. it. It's everyone's problem. Um, okay, so this is exciting. We're going to have you at the bioscope. Um, is there any other recommendations I could maybe help you with, and then I'll let you get on your way. Uh, recommendations, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Tim Burton fan. Okay. He just I've he's, just finished it. I'm I haven't started it yet. Okay. I need I'm gonna start next week okay, when, so when things when I have some time. We're talking about Wednesday. Yes. Okay. So yeah. so the Wednesday TV show, which has now just come to Netflix. I must say I liked it. I thought it was really great. So Was it Burton? It is Tim Burton in many ways. He okay. he he wrote it and well, he wrote a bunch. He directed I think the first four or five out of the nine seven or eight episodes so he did the chunk he, right. he set it up um and of course a big part of who tim burton is is a guy called danny elfman who is the 
guy who does the music of yes. every Tim Burton movie. Yes. And the two are so linked that you can't have Tim Burton without Danny Elfman. Right. And people, your average person who just consumes Tim Burton movies perhaps isn't aware of who Danny Elfman is, but um, it is Tim Burton. And right. so, and so he, he, he does the music of Wednesday. I think it's a really great modern um, look on how the Adams Family and all their quirkiness could still exist in 2022. Right. Um, so, uh, and, and, and there's some lovely little cameos. There's one or two famous folk in it. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But um, I thought it was great. It was a perfect, it was a perfect match. So it'll obviously catch anyone kind of of that age of her. So it's obviously aimed at kind of young girls, especially girls in sort of high school. Um, but it'll appeal to everyone up until kind of our age, which were the people who watched Adam's Family movies mm. and cartoons. Um, and it's like, it almost becomes this sort of detective show. It's kind of mystery. I love Tim Burton. I, I'm a big Johnny Depp fan and that put me onto Tim Burton as a kid. And uh, Edward... Edward is one of my favorite. Okay, that was like the one I struggled with the most. Is I must it, maybe watch it again. Watch it again. I promise you, Edward had a. Edward's his hands. Okay, that's like your standard thing. I find that that's great. Uh, but Edward was a was quite a like cinephile thing. It's a, it was all about Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yes, this director, who, the, known as the worst director ever. Yeah, we've screened that movie every now and again at the Bioscope. It's called Plan 9 from Out of Space. Oh, the, his actual and it's movie? Yeah, and it's considered one of the worst movies ever made. It's but not in a charming way. In a like, this is really shit. Yes. <laughs> but I just, I just find, I just, I, I really enjoyed how it was filmed. And, and I love Bill Murray. Um, Bill Murray's, uh, Bill Murray's really funny in that movie. And I just liked, I liked the idea of this resilience. Okay. This this resilient guy who should it's been so long since I've watched it. I even forgot that Bill Murray was in Edward. Yeah, it's 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 almost like it's it's like this dude who yeah Sarah Jessica Parker's in it. Yeah, he yeah. she's his yeah. first yeah. wife, and then she finds out he's a crossdresser. But it's like when you when you watch it, it's like especially now being in the industry where you're like, how many people have all these. I, I hate talkers, like people like, I want to do this. or Yeah, yeah. People that, they, you always catch people want to tell you about comedy because yeah. they've watched, they've yeah, watched yeah. a documentary. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you don't know comedy. Like, no, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. you're a fan of it, but no, yeah. don't tell me that. And then you get this guy who's make, yeah, he's making shit movies, but he's still making movies. He's making it a, he's no, making the movie. No, I, I, just to close on that, I, I love the idea of making. I, I oh, love the good. idea and I've always been obsessed with that. I was more, I was more interested when I was in film school at Wits, I was more interested in the, or just as interested in the DVD cover and designing it and making mm. it and making the DVD and putting it on my shelf. And it was because I liked the idea of publishing. Yes. I liked the idea of making something physical and with the band, I miss you, going. You, you own that music. You that music lives forever. Yeah. Um, that's why I love this this podcast as well because I get to publish. It, it's content. I get to make. I, I love to do. One of the nicest things someone ever said to me was a compliment where she said, um, "I like the fact that you always do. Yes. You, you you always make your ideas. Yes. They might not necessarily be the best. She's like, I've got friends that might have better ideas, but 
they don't make them. Yeah. You make them. And I love that compliment because it was like, it was an honest one where it was like, maybe my ideas aren't as good as others, but... But that's my thing. And, but I still do it. <laughs> and even with, with comedy, like, there's comics who wait until the, they are perfect to go on stage. And their idea, perfect. And when you go on stage, eventually, after waiting and waiting and waiting, going, I'm not ready, that joke's not ready. When you yeah. do go on stage yeah. and you perform to strangers, you go that, I'm st you realize I'm still not perfect because yeah. the joke needs the people to grow. And those people are going to be different every time. So for me, I'm like, I am the first one to go up on stage and go, I'm, I'm going to bomb tonight. But I know when I walk off stage, I know what to do tomorrow. Or I know how to fix this thing at the next gig in an hour's time. Yeah. And, and I live in that space of, I, I really at a, uh, am at a space where I don't want to be perfect. <clears throat> I think per perfection is the biggest thief of life experience. And, and when you try and be perfect, you know you're never going to get there. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's just, almost like there's no such thing. But the idea of perfection brings fear into a person. You wait, you're going, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go and tell that girl that would you like to have a drink with me or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what i mean like there, there's so many things that are passing you whether it's work-wise or in your personal life waiting for you to be ready so yeah do it now and do it now and by doing it it's, it's teaching you how to be ready yeah. <laughs> tonight not be the night but <laughs> i'm doing it every night so one day i'm gonna crack through it and you're gonna be surprised yeah <laughs> yeah lovely man listen i'm gonna let you get on your on your way, but it was it was great to be getting to know each other. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I'm and glad I, we got I think a chat. you I think you are only fucking onto amazing things. You really are, but I think Thanks. It's, it's it's exciting, man. Thank um, you so much, bro. I appreciate and it. And I'm so glad that I, I've got a space like the Bioscope that can be a gym for you that can that can work those those muscles. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I think it's only just giving more and more to the art form. It's great. Yeah. Lovely. Thank Thanks, man. All right. What a great chat. Um, it was just so lovely to get to know him, as I said. And also just realized, like, he's just such a good dude and, and his head's really in the right place. And um, I think he's just, yeah, going to just do so well. And already, if he's getting calls <laughs> from Chappelle, like, oh, I'm so excited for him. So... What a great chat. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Russell Grant. Uh, that was Robbie Collins. Uh, this is the part of the show we call the cash up where we just make sure everything balances and get everything in order before we turn off the lights here at the video store and go home. The documentary Robbie is talking about is a film called The Last Dolphin King on Netflix for those who have missed it. Um, but yeah, as I said, catch Robbie at uh, the Bioscope this coming weekend, the 9th and the 10th. Uh, tickets are on sale at thebioscope.co.za. And once again, the special um, that you can currently watch on, on the streaming platforms we have available to us is a show called No Jokes Allowed on Netflix, and Robbie Collins is one of the episodes. So that's worth a watch. But also, if you are in Joburg, come down to the show. If you uh, want to share the love, we are thevideostore.co.za, uh, whatever platform you're streaming on. If you have the opportunity to leave a review and a rating, please do so. It means the world to us. Thank you for everything and um, for those who have left reviews thus far. We really appreciate it. 
and we will see you soon. Thank you for tuning in. Cheers.